Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. And you'll also find that printed in the middle of your bulletin insert if you'd like to follow along. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off and at once traded them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what is my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. When I was in elementary school, to start on a lighter note, my brother and I took piano lessons from Mrs. Foose. She and her husband lived in an old farmhouse on a winding road. Every Wednesday evening, we would walk up the sidewalk past a cottonwood tree perfect for climbing and a kiddie pool where Sally, her goose, bathed. And we'd enter Mrs. Foose's house and dread having to reveal how little we practiced <laughs> that week. 
She used to have me work on pieces from a book called Finger Power. <laughs> Though I trusted that the exercises were strengthening my fingers, as the title promised, I always found the pieces to be tedious, an unwanted challenge to my music reading abilities, with little reward in the end. They were rarely a thing of beauty. One week, I decided I was going to surprise Mrs. Foos and perfect each of my songs, including that week's exercise in finger power. Now, I must have been a little impatient or perhaps overly confident because when I sat down at my piano and quickly discovered the logic and heard the beauty in the exercise, I didn't even think twice about checking whether the notes matched the keys I was playing. Finally, finger power had given me a beautiful song that made sense, and I was grateful. I memorized it almost immediately, adding emotion and using the damper pedal generously. <laughs> When Wednesday came again and I proudly played the piece, Mrs. Foose listened quietly all the way to the end. And when I finished, she said, well, that was beautiful, but that's not what's on the page. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. What a letdown. I felt like I was Mrs. Foose as I read through commentary after commentary about the parable of the talents. Beautiful, worthwhile lessons to practice, but the notes are not on the page. Even so, it was tempting to just get on board. It's less risky that way. For the interpretation frequently given is that Jesus is the master in this parable and that we are the slaves waiting for his return. And just as these slaves were entrusted with great value, we have been given much. And we are to act as the first two slaves, the ones who don't hide what they have been given, but take risks. In doing so, great will be the reward. For we are in the building of the kingdom together. What are those gifts we've been given? Some say love, mercy, forgiveness. Those are the riskiest things to give away, and they yield the greatest rewards. Whatever the gifts are, whether they are great amounts of money, as those talents in the parable, or abilities, what we should not do is hide them. We should not bury the gifts we have been given. For if we do, we will end up being in the outer darkness. So do not fear. Let your light shine bright. It's a beautiful message. Let your light shine bright. Risk love, risk forgiveness, risk generosity. It leaves you the most vulnerable and brings you the greatest reward. It also, in my experience, is a message that's true. But when I read that parable, I don't see those notes of love, at least not in the same way. I hear 
of a harsh master who exploits others and expects his slaves to do his bidding in order to bring in more profits, which presumably involves taking advantage of others as well. I hear a master who commands that the one who speaks out be sent to the outer darkness, to what sounds like his terrifying death. I hear a reflection of what is often found in reality. Those who have much are given more. Those who have little are not. I don't hear mercy. I don't hear forgiveness. I don't hear generosity. Certainly not from that master. If this is Jesus, if the master is Jesus, of course we would opt for a different, brighter explanation. How could we be led by someone or something so awful? When I listen to the one who we are traditionally warned not to like, the one who is proclaimed to be wicked or stupid and lazy, when I listen to that voice, I hear someone who is bold and brave and has his finger right on the money. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. I hear a voice from someone who is letting their light shine. Someone who is free. In the verses following this parable, and the being thrown into the outer darkness, comes the plot to kill Jesus. Maybe he was the third slave. It would be inspiring for him to be someone with such integrity, for the people to have seen in the voice of the slave, Jesus. Inez Torres Davis is an indigenous Latina with Chiricahua Apache Mayan, Aztec, and Spanish heritage. She is an educator and the director of Justice for Women of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. She wrote a Bible study for the LCA called Listening to the Third Slave, based on this parable of the talents. In it, she reminds us that Matthew's community lived in a hierarchical an exploitative society. They were familiar with having distant Roman overlords. Most of the people were peasants, artisans, and slaves who were the sole producers for the empire. Certainly not lazy or stupid. It was a corrupt system perpetuated at least in part by those who could gain some measure of power or wealth off the backs of those one step below them, lest they also be blamed for their own poverty. The trade and bartering system increased the stream of wealth 
from the poor to the elites. Knowing this about Matthew's community, I can imagine that it might have been a relief for them to hear someone tell it like it is. To hear someone say what everyone else was afraid to say, even at risk of great personal injury and loss of societal acceptance. To say, you are exploiting us, and I'm not okay with exploiting others for you. Heard in this light, the parable might also have been disturbing for those who had become co-opted by the empire, controlled by the brutality of Rome on the one side, as David Davis points out, and their own desire for wealth on the other. Davis explains that the co-opted Jewish aristocrats ensured and improved their standing through cooperation and collaboration with Rome. They did this through a complicity that further disfavored their own people, but which provided them some measure of relief, some favor, and a few of the trappings of privilege. And unfortunately, blindness, denial, and absorption in the system prevent those with privilege from understanding their own captivity. And they guarantee Rome's continued prosperity. It is disturbing that what is rewarded in this parable is the perpetuation of an exploitative system. But of course, it would be. That's how it works. Davis observes that with lives so controlled, the eventual surrender of the slaves to compliance is not a surprise. On the contrary, those who maintain shreds of their personhood under such complete control by another are those who surprise us. And it's not lost on me that today is Thanksgiving Sunday in anticipation of a time of abundance and gratitude and a holiday where we have a choice about which narratives we tell. Is it a story about how two peoples decided to take a risk and come together and in so doing they received abundantly? A story about a hope for community, for well-being? Is it a story about exploitation and horrific violence? About believing in our own privilege so blindly that we conveniently forgot we were standing on borrowed land? Beautiful ideas, beautiful things worth practicing, mixed together with deeply troubling truths. What do the narratives we tell reveal about our hopes for the future, who we want to be, what we want to practice, what notes we are willing or ready to see? The brilliance in this parable is that it's all there. All the parts of ourselves to disturb and inspire us. That we might truly be liberated people. In our action, 
and inaction. In our willingness to see and speak, as we help strengthen and honor the personhood in one another. Deep inside, encourages Rachel Noemi Bremen. Our integrity sings to us whether we are listening or not. It is a note that only we can hear. Eventually, when life makes us ready to listen, it will help us to find our way home. To you, I lift my spirit. You who are enthroned in every heart, have mercy on us, O compassionate one. Have mercy that we might turn away from our blind and ignorant ways. Too long our souls have been veiled by fear. Have mercy. Lead us to the path of wholeness. Amen.